We're doing a series on home life, and last week, uh, Anne and I were privileged to uh, share with you, and uh, Anne spoke on her favourite passage of scripture from Titus chapter 2, that the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands and children. She shared her vision for motherhood, which was to help my children become devoted followers of Jesus. And then I was able to outline uh, to the men what I saw as the job description of a father. And that is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, that fathers are to bring up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, men, I gave you three tips last Sunday, and the test will be, as you leave, I will stand at the door and ask you. And the first one was to love your, your children's mother. Love your children's mother. And the example, of course, is the love of Jesus. So how do, uh, ladies, mums, how did he do this week? Moving right along. Uh, the second tip was to pray without ceasing. And I challenged the men to be spiritual leaders and to step up and say, come on, we need to pray. We've got an enemy and we're going to pray for our family and even if you've never done it before just do it once in the week and then as soon as you've done it for two weeks you've got the rhythm go twice a week and then go three times a week it took Ann and I quite a while to build it into our life and we I, I don't say we pray seven days a week but I reckon five we would average five times a week where we we just come, we, we spend time, devotional time, use a book that guides our thoughts and then we, we have a series of people and situations that we pray for every week. And uh, Tuesday is church day, so we pray for this church and the ministry of this church and, and the pastors and the members. I hope you feel blessed on Tuesdays. The third tip was, fathers, engage with your children. And we gave you a question sheet called Raising the Standards. So did anyone use the question sheet? Uh, okay, we're going to stay here until you get the message. Uh, folks, it's no good if we just hear. You've got to do. And uh, I encourage you to grab that question sheet and begin to work it through uh, with your wife, with your children, with your parents even. Some great questions. I didn't author it, uh, somebody else did. Well today let's, uh, let's go for our inspiration to Psalm 78 and it would be good if you follow with me as I read uh, Psalm 78. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know him. 
even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And why are you and I here today worshipping the Lord? Why do you and I claim Jesus as our Lord and Saviour? Why have we put our trust in God? It's because of faithful men and women who have continually taught the next generation and told the stories of how God was faithful and God could be trusted. And we are the ones who are to tell to teach and to train the next generation, whether it's Esme or Ben or Darcy or whoever. We have a responsibility according to Psalm 78. Now, discipling your children to be devoted followers of Jesus is a costly commitment. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes sacrifice, money, determination. It'll demand that we treat discipling of our children as our highest priority. It means we have to equip ourselves to be the best possible mother or father that we can possibly be. And you and I know there are battles, there are tears. It's hard, but the reward is great. Verse 7. They will put their trust in God. What a reward. Now, one of the biggest battles we have today is if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to go against the stream of popular opinion. You are going to have to live a counter-cultural life. And that's hard. And it's only getting harder. My mother used to be able to quote reams of the Old Testament and great passages of the New Testament. Mum, where did you learn all of that scripture? At school. And it wasn't a Christian school, it was a public school. They taught from the Bible and they had the kids learn Psalms. But now the Bible's a forbidden book. Our society in Australia has turned from being very pro-Christian to being anti-Christian. We've got to live counter-culture. So many of the values that we hold dear, such as belief in God, the sanctity of life, the right of the unborn, marriage as being that which is between a man and a woman, respect and honour for parents. The list goes on. They are all under siege. The venomous attitude towards Margaret Court and uh, Lyle Sheldon during the same-sex marriage debate last year is, is scary. And they're just ramping up. The state is beginning to usurp the authority of parents when it comes to education and medicine. We're going to have to live counterculture. You see... People are losing their jobs now because they stand by Christian principles. And there's a doctor in Queensland who's being threatened with deregistration because of his Christian conviction, not because he's a bad doctor. And it's only getting worse, the, the radical gender initiative that is being considered by one of our major political parties is this. If your son comes home from school one day and tells you that he 
wants to become a girl, you, his parent, must support his decision. Discouraging your son from transitioning to a girl, arranging for prayer or pastoral advice that affirms his biological gender will be deemed a criminal offence. How about that? That is Australia today as some people want it to be. And if you and I are going to follow the word of God, we have no option but to be counter-culture. And then, of course, as parents, there are just the routine challenges of parenting. Mobile phones, internet, violent video games, drugs, sex, alcohol, dating. Oh, the list goes on. Do you still want to be a parent? (laughs) Now, we're not on our own. We said last week we have the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit and he is the helper. And he's there to help us in worship, he's to help us in submission, to help us in marriage, and Ephesians 6, to help us raise our family. Now it's already been uh, referenced this morning that it takes a village to raise a child. Now that's a biblical principle, not that you'll see it takes the village, but it takes the Christian family to raise a child. And already this morning we've referenced that so often. It's so wonderful. But when we look around here, there are grandparents, there are mums and dads, there are aunties and uncles, there are brothers and sisters. There is so much support if you're wanting to raise a child. You see, you've got the Holy Spirit within you. You've got the church family around you. And so single parents, well, those of you who don't have a sympathetic spouse, we can only imagine how incredibly difficult it must be for you. But you don't have to do it on your own. We've got a family that wants to help. Mum or mums, single mums, there are good and godly men here who will validate the masculinity of your son and help transition him into manhood if you want that sort of help. Dads, single dads, there are sweet-spirited and gracious godly women in this church who want to help instill and inspire your daughter to be the feminine person that God has made her. The family wants to help. Now, ask any parent who has survived teenage years and they will tell you most teenagers, if not all, go through a stage where mum and dad are the dumbest, most uncool and most embarrassing adults in the whole world. Do I have affirmation there? Teenagers, is that true? (laughs) I've been there. But you see, that's where you need the Christian family. That's where you need the village. 
Because while you may be the dumbest mum or dad in the world, your friends who have teenagers, your child will look to their parents. And those parents will be so cool. Oh, so wise. So patient. Oh, mum, can I just join their family? (laughs) Go! But you see, you who are so uncool and so dumb, to somebody else's teenager, you're wisdom-inspired. You're just wonderful. That's why we need a village. That's why we need the church family. We can't do it on our own. We're not supposed to. The uh, American author, I've forgotten his name. Help me, Anne. Yeah, <laughs> he said, when I was 16, my, my parents were ignorant. They had learned so much by the time I got to 20. <laughs> kids grow out of that age. Discipling your kids to be followers of Jesus is a lifelong process. You don't have to do it on your own, there's help. That's why in the church family... We have kids' church. That's why we have youth ministry. That's why we have young adults. Not to take away your responsibility to disciple your own children, but to supplement you and complement you and support you and help you. And so we ought to make sure that our kids are up to their eyeballs in the life of the church so that what we are saying at home is reinforced when they're with their friends at youth group or Sunday school, or wherever. And when you raise a counterculture Christian generation, you're going to war. It's spiritual warfare. And you need all the help you can. You need prayer. You need protection. And that's why in the church we have life groups. That's why we have prayer meetings. Get involved in a life group. There'll be people there who will pray with you and for you. Come to the church prayer meeting and gather together to pray for the life of the church. It's so easy to sit at home and and soak and sour in our own sorry circumstances and the world sort of closes in, but when we get with others, our vision is lifted and as we begin to pray for others who are in similar circumstances to ourselves, we always find there is help and strength in the family there are prayer mentors in this church and they just long to pray with those who are struggling there are more than 20 women operating as prayer mentors to 20 others mentorees not many men we're working on it parents of prodigals I can't even begin to know your pain your heartache as you wait, hope and pray for your prodigal's return. But I do know this. Here is a church that loves and cares for you and wants to stand with you and pray with you, ache with you and wait with you for your prodigal's return.
Will you let your church family do that? Be your village? Parents, you don't have to have all the answers as you confront the culture. And certainly you won't. But you see there's great wisdom here this morning. And we can tap into that wisdom and we can find a wealth of resources, experience here in this church, this village. Anne and I were just talking during the week. We are so proud of our children and their families and the way they're raising their children. But it's not us. There were dozens and dozens of people who spoke into the lives of our children, took them out for breakfast, consoled them because they were pastor's kids, loved them through difficult times, encouraged them. We didn't do it on our own. We needed the village. Now... When you look around these people, I see a lot of well-mannered people. And they can see that you've got need, but because they're well-mannered, they don't want to intrude. Unasked for help, unasked for advice, is unwanted help, unwanted advice. And so I want to say to you this morning, God puts you in this community this faith community, this faith village, because you need it. And the village needs you because all of us have got something to contribute. The secret is that we ask. Put our hand up and say, please, I need help. The pastoral team will connect us. But there's a lot of help here. It's yours for the asking you know becoming an Olympic champion doesn't just happen it's not the result of an occasional visit to the gym and a few push-ups now and then it's an absolute life-shaping commitment a commitment that is to prepare to pay any price reject any compromise It becomes a magnificent obsession, an all-consuming passion. It's a quest that some would even die for, a gold medal that tarnishes, a record that will soon be broken. Friends, I want to tell you what true gold is. True gold is Psalm 78.7 teaching your children so that they will put their trust in God. It takes a village to raise a child. You are richly blessed. You belong to a wonderful village of faith. You are a wonderful village of faith. God bless you.